Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Nine oh eight on this Thursday morning, February 1st. We are knocking on the door of Groundhog's Day. Newell Norman's coming up next, and he's got a great four hours planned for you. This Mardi Gras thing with, with the city and a and, uh, conversation we just had with Michael Karam. If you want to download the Odyssey app, you can use the Rewind feature, Director of Parks and Parkways for New Orleans, see what he had to say about enforcement when it comes to ladders and tarps and roping off areas. You can do that, or you can wait till the audio is posted at WWL.com. He's staring at a Category 5 blank storm because you got to have equal enforcement for all of this because it's not fair to for somebody, I don't think, to go out there and, and claim rope off. Yeah, I was, man, the last time I went to, I wasn't working on Mardi Gras. I went to a parade with the family and, and got out to St. Charles Avenue about 7 o'clock and, and there were people already set up. And he told his friend, and I remember they said, my property extends from that telephone pole to the mailbox, partner. My property, where people just claim the property is their own, right? Well, you can't rope off areas, but it's got to be fair when it comes to enforcement because you can't expect some people to play by the rules, and then as soon as the the enforcement goes by, then somebody else comes around and sets up ladders and tarps and everything else, and and you get hosed. So I wish him luck, and and I know something's got to be done to keep it fair for everybody. J.P. Morrell was not happy with the enforcement last year after what they said they were going to do and and to the texter that texted in and said you know it's the same old stuff every year they say it and then they don't enforce it you got to enforce it for everybody and unfortunately when you come up with rules the first thing people start doing is looking at ways around them so i wish everybody good luck with that we were talking to mandy landry earlier this week about the uh, river district project and she had some questions. I had some questions. And Sean Barney joins us now, Managing Director of CLB Porter LLC, real estate development and public finance advisory firm, member of River District Neighborhood Investors LLC, wants to come on and, and give us some answers to those questions and clear up any misunderstandings. How you doing, Sean? I'm well. How are you? I'm okay. I, I, uh, I share your uh, desire for... Uh, Mardi Gras uh, real estate fairness. So that is a tough, tough job. It, so. it is, and and he's. I could hear it in his voice, Michael Cara, man. He, he's got a tiger by the tail because I, I don't, I don't know how you do it and be fair to everybody. You wish everybody would play nice, but that doesn't always happen. So God bless them all. Hey, let's talk about River District. Um, first question, I guess, since I saw this in some of the stuff that y'all sent us um, about a lawsuit. Uh, or uh, expo- exposing something like a campaign by 504 Golf, and it goes to Top Golf competing with 504 Golf, the viability, sustainability of both projects. 
I want to give you as much time as you need, Sean, to um, up until like 935, something like that, to, to talk about anything you heard with Mandy Landry, the representative, or any concerns that people might have uh, or, or that you have where maybe we misrepresented something or didn't, didn't present it as accurately as we should have or could have perhaps. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily want to respond to Representative Landry. I, I don't know uh, the representative, um, but I hear her reputation. She's very earnest and, and hardworking and, and sincere. So I'm sure she may have questions, and, and I look forward to her partnership going forward. But what I can say is I think we're really um, excited about the project. We think it is uh, probably the, the most transparent public-private partnership uh, in the city's history, it's a very uh, diverse uh, partnership. Uh, I'm one of the partners, and half of the the partnership are either minority or women, people of color. Um, and so, I think we're we're excited to, to move forward. I, I'll share with you that for probably the last uh, ten years or so, I've been on a, a something called the Public-Private Partnership Council with the Urban Land Institute, which is a big real estate deal. And basically, you go around the country looking at uh, nice projects in Nashville and Birmingham and Atlanta and, and D.C. And um, and some people may dream about the lottery. I've always been dreaming, like, why can't New Orleans have projects like this? And so, you know, when this project came about, I, I really said, here's our shot. And we looked at a project called the Wharf in Washington, D.C., which is also on the, the waterfront there, and really use that for our inspiration. And I knew the developer there at Hoffman, a guy by the name of Sean Seaman. We took our team up there. We met with Sean and his team. He put his models on the, on the screen. We spent a day and a half going over it. And then we took the Wharf team, the team that helped them put their project together, which is a public-private partnership uh, with the Anacostia Waterfront. And we took their team, and we used that team of lawyers and consultants, HRNA, there's a guy named Jeff Bear that runs it, and we really use that to sort of fashion um, how this deal would, would come together. Um, and it'd be almost like if we took Patrick Mahomes and put him onto the Saints. And so I think we really have a model partnership um, that the citizens can be proud of. Um, in terms of the, the litigation, I, I really can't comment on that. I would just tell you I'm a partner in, in something called Fulton Alley, which is a boutique bowling deal that we came up with several years ago. And, you know, we never thought that would put rock and bowl out of business. So I, I think there's opportunity for two concepts to um, exist that are executed at a, at a high level. And I think that the project overall – is going to be a plus positive for the city and the citizens of, of New Orleans. Well, I did mention it, and, and they did send me some materials, so let me just go ahead and, and read River District Neighborhood Investors, Inc., LLC, RDNI today filed a lawsuit in Orleans Parish Chris, uh, Civil District Court. This is dated January 30th, the day before yesterday, I guess, January 30th, claiming an orchestrated campaign by 504 Golf and its owners to deceive government officials and conspire with others to derail a historic River District neighborhood project for personal gain. The suit alleges unfair trade practices and the filing addresses acts committed in opposition to the top golf development in the River District, specifically that 504 is misrepresenting RDNI with public entities. And That'll play its way out in courts. And I didn't mean to drag you into that, Sean, but they did send it to me, so I thought I'd I'd mention it. Let's let's move on to River District, and um, I, I see the the uh, one sheet they sent me says a neighborhood for all. Uh, for people that passed by on Chapatulas and see the signing, the fencing with Top Golf, 
Um, let's start there and work our way out, maybe, if that'll be a good point for reference, uh, a point of reference for people. Um, I was under the impression that this would kind of like in a Chelsea Pier situation in New York City look out on the, the water, but there are other things planned for the waterfront, right, Mississippi River front? Yeah, I mean, we, we looked at it and, and said two things. Um, one, if you are creating a, a neighborhood, should that neighborhood be bifurcated by sort of a high-volume sort of uh, uh, street like Chapatulas? Mm-hmm. And so when the Top Golf opportunity revealed itself and uh, we looked at some of the other opportunities and options, let me take a step back. The, the project also has rent commencement dates, so it's – Unlike the wharf deal I just mentioned to you where they're paying a dollar in rent and the the public entity is sharing in the upside, the way our deal is sort of structured is that we have to start the project by certain dates and and times. And, you know, from the the authorities' standpoint, that means that, you know, they know something is going to happen. And from our standpoint, that means that we have to make something happen. So – there is not a panic to the project, but there is a sense of, of urgency, and that's why I'm, I'm also proud and think that the citizens will really like what, what – it's not a project that will take forever to, to sort of come about. But to answer your question, you know, we looked at that parcel and really determined, you know, when there was an opportunity to sort of create an entertainment concept that the consolidation of the housing along with all the other uses, retail and office and hospitality – really made it more of a neighborhood to sort of move that to the other side of Chapatulas. So that really was the, the, the impetus um, for the, the repositioning. And, 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 and when you look at it, Sean, I'll say overhead with the map I'm looking at here, it makes every bit of sense. It really does what you're saying. Yeah, and, and what I would just add is that, you know, I, I can't get into the litigation of of of, um, of the deal uh, that you just mentioned, mm-hmm. but the one great thing about you know Top Golf, I'd say, is you know they're paying a bunch of sales taxes. I think we estimate that it'll be uh, 35 million over 15 years. They'll pay property taxes somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or eight and a half million dollars, and so. You know, I think that'll be the first thing folks will see coming out of the ground. And what's also important about it, Tommy, is that it is doesn't really have any infrastructure requirements. And there's a bunch of streets and roads and utilities that have to go in across Chapatulas. But the top golf site will break ground, you know, immediately. They've already driven some test piles. But what that means to also to the community is that that's an immediate return on the investment. And I always tell people, you know, think about how many how much taxes that property is producing today, zero. So say it with me, Tommy, zero mm-hmm. taxes today, zero taxes over the last 20 years. And so part of this is really about New Orleans feeling like, you know, we can believe we can win again. And I know there, there may be some folks who say, well, you know, it should have had this or it should have had that. You know, the Saints can't go from 3-14 and 14 or 3-14 and 14 and 3-14 and 14 and 14 and 3 in the Super Bowl and so what I'm just saying in, in, in saying that is 80% of what you want or 50% of, of what you want tends to be a, a good deal. Uh, I wish I was 6'4 and better looking, but mm. the cars aren't you. in it for me on that. And so I, I just think that there is a lot packed into this deal. And to your point, the first thing that will deliver a return for our community is the Top Golf product. Is that <clears throat> going to have its own parking lot like the one in Baton Rouge, Sean? It will. It will. It's built into that site. If people drive 
eye, you'll see the truck marshaling yard um, uh, that is used. Effectively, that will become sort of the on-site parking for, for Topgolf. What's the situation with the energy moving and the building and so forth? What's that? The Tommy? situation with energy? I don't know of a situation with uh, with energy. Not to energy, Shell. I'm sorry, I said oh, energy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you said energy. I don't know where that you came know. from. I guess some, slip there. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know. you knew something I didn't know. Uh, no, no, okay. no. I, uh, no, I'm not trying to make news here or anything, Sean. I don't know where that popped into my head, but who knows? Well, here's what I would say. Um, you know, I mentioned the dream of a, of a public-private partnership. We had a little internal bet that one of our partners said, you know, he would eat his hat if, uh, if we could, you know, build an office building. It hasn't been one built in New Orleans in a generation 30 or 35 years. And so that was a, a unique opportunity for us to develop an, an office building, uh, and we think have a great, you know, anchor tenant to, to sort of move in uh, uh, and sort of anchor our, our neighborhood. And I think that really is the, the headline. Um, I know there has been some controversy about, you know, a tax abatement to help make the economics of the deal work. Um, as I just mentioned to you, you know, Top Golf, we could make that particular deal work without a tax abatement. So, again, in a public-private partnership, there are many different ways to, to do it, and there's a, a little bit of give and take. You may give over here, but you, you may, you know, benefit over there, as I explained to you. And so that really is it. I think we're excited about it. It's going to be a state-of-the-art building. Um, I think it's going to retain a, a bunch of high-paying jobs. Uh, somebody told me, you know, uh, plus $100,000 in, in average salary that those folks, um, you know, make over there. And I think there's 800 or so tenants. So Is I that still that on track, though, Sean? All of that's still going smoothly? going to happen? It is, on tr- it, 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 is, it is on track. I think, you know, again, you know, some politicians may want to hold on to the issue versus the progress. I think, you know, our community doesn't want elected officials who save us from progress for process. Um, so I, I think that it is really a little bit of a dust-up that uh, is being worked through, but I fully expect um, that building, which has been in design, uh, to start to move forward somewhere at around the second quarter of, of this year. And so when you sort of talk about momentum, which is important to deals of this size on 39 acres, and for our community, again, to, to get a win, when you start to see Top Golf, when you t- start to see the office building, when you start to see the infrastructure, that really does provide the momentum leading into the the residential uh, phasing that'll that'll come with the project as well. Yeah, you ought to get energy to move down there too. I'm just kidding. You know what? I was looking at Power Market Street Power Plant. I guess I'd put energy into my mind. Anyway, let's take a break. Uh-huh. We come uh-huh. back. I want to talk about the uh, areas adjacent to Mardi Gras World and that front, the river. What's going to be there? And what ultimately, when all of this is done, what it's going to mean to that area and for the people that uh, an attraction for people that not just live in the city, but visit. All right. We're talking to Sean Barney, managing director of CLB Porter LLC, a real estate development public finance advisory firm and a member of River District Neighborhood Investors LLC about River District, the project. If you have any questions or comments, 504-260-187. To be clear, it is Shell, not Energy Shell, I don't know where I got energy from. We'll be back in a flash, WWL. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Nine twenty-seven. Now talking to Sean Barney, managing director of CLB Porter LLC, real estate development and public finance advisory firm, member of River District Neighborhood Investors LLC. We talked to Representative Mandy Landry about the project earlier this week, and we were talking, and now we're decided to talk to um, the other side. I, I don't. I hate to say it that way, Sean. It's not really another side, but just to clear up any questions that anybody may have had about the River District plan. Let me put it that way. When, when we talk about um, a combination of living space, retail space, and this project in that neighborhood, what do you all hear from the neighbors there? And I guess there have been hearings and so forth about this, right? There have been. I think the, the other night uh, a representative from our team, one of the project managers, was there with uh, Councilmember Harris and some representatives from, from Topgolf. Uh, just to sort of talk about the, the, the process or the project, uh, this, the Total River District has been in the making for, for several years, and it may have been a little quiet because it started to come about during COVID, before COVID, and COVID happened, and it was put on hold, and as we started to come out of COVID, it, it ramped up again. Um, but we welcome every opportunity to talk about the project. So I, I think as a – and here's what I would say about it. It really is not a neighborhood project. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a billion-dollar development investment over, you know, many years that will take place that, as you alluded to, will help uh, our convention center business but also transform uh, that part of the, the, the riverfront. And so I think, you know, neighbors want to know what is it, what is, when is it starting, how are we going to be impacted. But I would say on the whole – uh, people in our broad community ha have been pos positive about it. Uh, I think the, the the meeting the other night, from what I'm told, with the Lower Garden District helped to answer many of the, the questions uh, that folks have had. And so, as I said, I think, you know, there, there's a kerfluffle here or there. Uh, but as a whole, I think that, that people are very, very um, receptive to the project and, dare I say, excited about the project that um, that is imminent so let's talk about living spaces um, who be able to afford to live there how, how do you determine because um, living on the uh, close to the river I guess with a view of the river some of these units are going to have I, I how, who how do you divide all that up Sean is what I'm asking well again we really set out um, uh, to, to create a, a, a mixed income neighborhood we thought it was important that uh, it served this, this project serves some of the interests of the convention center, who is our you know landowner, um, but it also needed to serve uh, the purposes of uh, the citizens in New Orleans. So that is a project we we sort of 
coined as equitable by design. And what that means is, you know, we, we have significant green spaces, you know, there's digital infrastructure and investment, but really the foundation, sort of the, the, the anchor, if you call it, of the project was really our commitment to affordable housing. One of my partners said early on, you know, that is really the need uh, that we have in the community, and that is what we should lead with. And if you look at the MIZ, the city's, you know, um, zoning deal, you know, you have 5% affordable re required in most of the city, or 10% if you're down in the, in the CBD. And what we committed to in our multifamily component, which is 900 units in total, we've committed to 450 units as affordable and, um, uh, and workforce housing. And with that, all that means is, you know, how much rent we can charge. The units will be indistinguishable from market rate units and distributed throughout the buildings, which are going to be distributed throughout the site. But we thought that that was important really because, you know, there's a big hospitality workforce. There's, you know, folks who are, are teachers and, and whatnot. And, and frankly, by all the reports, there's a significant, you know, housing need. Now, Delivering affordable housing is very difficult because by design, if you're limiting the rents you can charge, that does not necessarily call, you know, cover the cost of a building. And there's been programs you know, in the country uh, called the Affordable Housing Tax Credit, uh, I believe since 1986, a revision into the tax code. And that's how those deals are financed. So it's sort of on a cycle and a clock about how you put that capital stack together. But to go back to your original question, we thought that that housing mix was important with the other asset types, such as the office, which will have 800 workers sort of flowing through and going to restaurants and whatnot, and, and hospitality. You know, there'll be a couple of small hotels that'll, that'll be sprinkled in. But the mix of uses, Tommy, was, is very important to folks who invest in mixed income housing because they don't want that housing to be on an island, not around services, not around energy, um, not around amenities. And so, as you said, you know, I think uh, er early on in the, the, the process, uh, uh, one of the elected officials said to us, you know, why can't, you know, working folks have river views too? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, why can't they? And so it'll be mixed in and you have the site plan in front of you. Um, it'll be distributed through the site because really what we're trying to create, going back to that dream I told you about when I look at how other communities have nice things, is how do we sort of mix those uses in to stitch together really a new neighborhood. So it won't be a building set aside for affordable housing. The affordable housing will be mixed in with all of the different buildings? That's right. I mean, that's, that's standard best practices when you look around the country. If you do sort of a, a building on a podium with ground floor retail um, and not necessarily high rise, but a mid rise of five or six stories or so, and those units will be, you know, distributed uh, throughout. And, and as I said, when you hear that notion of affordable, the units are indistinguishable. It really is, you know, New York has a better term. They call it, you know, rent control effectively. Mm -hmm. That's what uh, I was going to ask if it's a similar in. thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. it is. And, and, and look, we think that that, when you talk about a new neighborhood and, and you asked about the Garden District, people want to know who is this for. And we think that that commitment is a testament to our vision that this is a neighborhood, you know, for, for all uh, folks in the city. And we also think the project in general really 
could be a model and could be a template for how other public-private partnerships can happen, you know, in, in our community. As I said, nobody gets 100% of what they want. I mentioned to you the Wharf deal. They're paying $1 in, in rent, and so they could kind of approach their project differently. So they're, they're all kind of different. But I think on balance, you know, when you look at what is packed into it, the new revenue and taxes, the, the housing components, the entertainment component, being able to say there's there's some life in our, our office market here, um, there's a lot to get your arms around and, and, a, and a lot to like. And as I said, I think some folks will maybe look at the 20% they don't and create a, a dust-up here or there. You know, there's something about the, the abatement with the office building. You mentioned 504. You know, they have a pilot. It's an economic development district. And from my viewpoint, I would say more power to them. There's, this is how these kind of deals and transactions uh, have to happen. And so that's, I think, the bigger thing, the message that I'm just here sharing with folks is, you know, New Orleans can get used to, I think, winning again. And I think the River District is, is, uh, is, is an example of that. Is this a situation of if you build it, you hope they will come, or do you know they will come in terms of the retail and uh, restaurants and whatever, hotels, whatever else you got planned? Well, I mean, it really comes down to economics. I, I, I sometimes uh, I have to pinch myself that the project is, is moving as fast as it is and that we are putting points on the board in terms of the office and entertainment. And frankly, you know, I looked at that as the, the most challenging part. Um, I won't say the challenge. I would say the office building, I think, is a big accomplishment. Um, and I'm pleasantly surprised that we got there when we got there. In terms of the retail, we're having a bunch of different conversations. I'm more on the residential side, but our, our folks, our partners who specialize in retail are working hard. And, you know, I've been also pleasantly surprised by some of the brands, I would say, that have shown interest um, in coming into the River District. Can you and share any of those? Or? I cannot, okay. of course, right. but if you have me back on when, when we have some news we'd to share, to. Yeah. We'd, ha we'd be happy to do that. But it is a process. We're very encouraged by the process. Um, and, um, and, and I think that, you know, development a lot of times is about momentum. And so a lot of this is theoretical. Nobody sees any activity there. But, you know, in two months, a month, I think between the infrastructure, between the top golf piece of it, and, and later on in the year, um, the office building, I think people want to be where they see there's action and where there's other investment, investment spurs investment. And so I think as we see more action and activity and people frankly know that the project is real, I think that that will help to reveal, you know, um, more ambitious possibilities going forward. Hey, Sean, I appreciate your time. I think you shed a lot of light on this, and I will uh, say you're welcome to come back whenever you want, all right? Thank you so you much. Bet. Appreciate you. Sean Barney, a managing director of CLB Porter, LLC, real estate development, public finance advisory firm, member of River District Neighborhood Investors, LLC. I should add, Council Member Leslie Harris is going to join us tomorrow to talk about this and other things as well. 938-22 till 10. Traffic now, WWL.
Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.